Welcome into the fifth down. I'm Jerome Salmon, Houston Chronicle Sports columnist, along with Jonathan Alexander, who is the beat writer for the Chronicle, covering the Texans and the NFL. Huge week for eh, more than half the teams in the NFL. Now we're down to the final final game, and it's playoff time. Who makes it? Who doesn't? Etc. The Texans had a huge win on Sunday over. The uh, Tennessee Titans, a dominant win, 23-point win. Uh, it's just they control the game from start to finish and really uh, put in a team effort. Great defensive play, solid, solid, smooth offensive play. In, in Jonathan, from beginning, I'll throw this one stat at to look out. They had, uh, D'Amico Ryan, the head coach, mentioned it at the press conference. They had no sacks given up, no turnovers. And committed only one penalty, and even that penalty was a little suspect. I mean, it was a good call, but it was the guy didn't know the whistle had blown and thought it was live. You know, he didn't even hit the dude; he just took the ball basically more than anything. But they've only done that one time in team history that they've had zero sacks, zero turnovers, and only one penalty. So it was a really clean game for the Texans on Sunday. Yeah, I thought it was one of their most complete. Just overall, you mentioned all the stats. Uh, they had a team meeting Saturday night, and Sheldon Rankins addressed the entire team and told them that, you know, nothing is, is guaranteed. And, and, and they had eight more quarters to play the football that they needed to play to get into the playoffs. And, and Robert Woods also addressed the team, asked him how bad he wanted, and, and they went out there and they showed it. And it was it was really – even though you didn't see C.J. Stroud have the big explosive plays – the Titans did a great job of trying to take that away. They took what the defense gave them, and they and he made all the right necessary throws. He I didn't see what really one bad throw. A lot, a lot of his incompletions were kind of you know throwaways, and um, because it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And, and you you would have expected him to be a little bit rusty. I mean I know he played a lot of football, but when you take two weeks off from live action, you figure he might have started off a little sluggishly, a little slow, but he didn't. I mean he was. He was placing the ball as well as he does. I mean, he's a very accurate passer anyway. I mean, he really is one of the most accurate passers I've ever seen, frankly, especially for a rookie. But Sunday, he was putting the ball where he wanted it to be. And like like he's in midseason form, which is great for the Texans going forward. Absolutely. And I thought Bobby Slowick, I thought he was purposeful early on in the game. They did a lot of quick throws, try to get him into a rhythm um, because he hadn't played in, in two weeks. And you know, that seemed to work. CJ said he was a lot more comfortable after that first drive. And he fell back to his normal self. So I, I thought Bobby Soul did a smart job and, and, and a great job of getting CJ in a rhythm, not allowing him to take hits, especially after that concussion. Um, and then uh, they were able to run the ball effectively, too. Devin Singletary had 16 carries for 80 yards, and, and that's going to be necessary. I, I, I think minimum 80 yards is what they should, you know, strive for. Uh, it's, it's for you know for Singletary and as a team more, but you know when when they can run the ball and pass the ball, this this offense can be really dangerous. And, and those shots are going to happen. Um, you know, not every team is going to play off of uh, CJ Stroud like that uh, because they know you know what can happen. They know that the taste can beat them at that game. The the one criticism I do have is they do need to punch it in and get seven when they get inside the red zone. Yeah, they set up for a field goal. Uh, uh, so many times that um, that you 
could have kept the Titans in the game if the Titans could have figured out a way to score. And, and let's dive into the defensive play. We'll get back to Stroud and some of that offense uh, in a bit and certainly talk about the playoff situation going forward as well. Which, yeah, playoff is pretty simple. Win beat the um, Indianapolis Colts on Saturday night, and Texans are back in the playoffs. It, it's not a whole lot, but we'll dive into that game. But the defense really stood out. We talked so much about Stroud. He's a quarterback, and he was out for two weeks and, and what that looked like. Well, Texans were also missing Will Anderson Jr. and Brian Cashman for the previous two weeks on defense, two of their important players. Cashman, their leading tackler throughout the season, even though he's missed a couple of games, is still the leading tackler. And Will Anderson, talk about what he had to go through to get back on the field and to play, even though he is injured, he played on Sunday and played extremely well. Yeah, D'Amico said he was on 11 at snap count. I looked at the snap counts. He only had 12 snaps, which was amazing. Which is amazing because I felt like he was, you know, after, yeah, I felt like he was after Ryan Tannehill and Will Levis almost every play. I think he had uh, three or four quarterback hurries, which is remarkable what he was able to do. And with just, two sacks. Just, yeah, with two sacks. Yeah, he was playing with that high ankle sprain, and the high ankle sprain usually guys are out three, four weeks. Uh, Will Anderson only missed two two weeks. So, you know, he's playing through a lot of pain. It's probably, he's probably going to be playing through a lot of pain next week, and they'll probably have a little limited snap count again as he continues to heal. But they really needed him, especially without John Lecanard, who has 12 and a half sacks this year, who was out. And uh, Malik Collins was also out. But, I, you know, I thought that was one of the more impressive things. They were missing a lot of key players. Um, but, yeah, still, yeah. JG, Malik Collins, um, yeah. Steven Nelson was hurt. He played He played most of the game, but he was hurt too. But they still got necessary production. A lot of guys who you hadn't seen step up, stepped up. Uh, Derek Barnett, the new addition from the Eagles, had one and a half sacks. Kurt Hines had half a sack. Uh, you know, Khalil Davis, I thought, played well in the running game. And that's one of the things, too, I think it's, it's, it's left out of the discussion or doesn't seem to get as much of the discussion as it warrants, um, particularly last week when – they got gashed in the passing game by the, uh, Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns. But the Texans are playing guys in the secondary who just got to town, who just joined the team. I mean, they, you look around, and there are times when they have two or three guys in in the defensive backfield who have, have not been on the team for a month. And it's just it's pretty incredible. Kareem Jackson played uh, on Sunday. He just got to town last week after being waived by the Broncos. Um, but, man, that – the the Will Anderson is something that, that we should dive into. In football, it, it's one of those things that when I see older players who've uh, retired from the game and you can see them in all kinds of pain and their bodies are brittle and they're going through health challenges, it's because of things like this. And Will Anderson talked about it at length yesterday um, that D'Amico mentioned at first that he had to he just had to pay with the play, play with the pain and Will Anderson talked about when he was in a sophomore linebacker at Alabama. You know, he was injured in a game and, you know, wasn't sure he was going to play in the next week. And Nick Saban sat him down and told him about, hey, everybody's hurt this time of year. You have to play through the pain. <laughs> and these football players, man, they don't get enough respect for how they mentally can compartmentalize and go through and battle and play, play through the pain when, you know, I, I know me, man, you – I can nick my finger and I'm whining for a week or something. And these guys out here with legitimate injuries, 
but they you know they also get shot up too <laughs> with drugs. But they, they discuss that a little bit. It, it really is. It it takes a lot. And at this time of the year, yeah, everybody is playing hurt in some sort of way. But boy, to come out and even to take twelve snaps when he, you know, is not walking good is is pretty impressive for Will. Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people have criticized Will Anderson this year. They they thought that his sacks numbers were low. Uh, you know, he's gotten pressure on quarterbacks, but just hadn't gotten home. But if you ask me, Will Anderson has made an impact in, the, in multiple ways. He had a, a punt block. He had a field goal block. Uh, he's a team captain. He's one of the team leaders. This is all in his rookie season, and then he and then he just set the the Texans record rookie record for sacks in the season. And I think he's going to be just fine. I think the criticism isn't warranted. As he's been on pace all year, and everybody every time they bring up the sack numbers, I'm like, uh, how many sacks did JJ Watt, <laughs> who's one of the great pass rushers of all time, have as a rookie? Y'all y'all need to back off of that. You know, the man is the man has played well. Exactly. It, it 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 takes a lot to get a sack. It's it's a team. The sack rushing the passer is a team concept, and sometimes it does, it goes the opposite way of you. It's not it's not an individual an individual statistic really. And it's and it's and it is overrated. Now it's huge when when you get a sack, but it's overrated in terms of a lot of times guys get sacked just because they were standing there and the quarterback ran into them, as opposed to. They put on some great move and defeated somebody. Or you can put on a great move, defeat the pass blocker trying to stop you, force the quarterback into making a mistake, and you don't get a sack for it, but you ruin the offensive play. And and uh, Will Anderson's been doing that a lot this season. Yeah, I think he's phenomenal. And I think if he stays healthy, just just the idea of him, you know, they, they say he's one of the hardest workers on the team. They love his motor. He never stops. I just really believe that he has the potential to be a pro bowler, maybe even more, if he can stay healthy and uh, maintain, you know, what he's doing. You know, he's the, he's a he's the ideal player that D'Amico Bryant's won. He was one of their favorite players in this draft, um, and and they got two guys in the same year. So two guys, two guys leading, two young guys leading this team with C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. So the future is definitely bright. Um, but what he did was 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 amazing because he was he was critical in that game. And that, and that stuff stuff like that is inspirational too for your teammates when they know you they know you're hurting. They don't see you at practice because you're in the training room. You know, and I don't know if you if you caught it when he walked in um, to the post game press conference after the win Sunday. Uh, CJ Stroud was leaving. He's like, "You doing all right?" He's like, "No, I'm heading to the training room now." So even after the game, he's got to go back to the training room and he's going to be getting treatment all week. And it's a quick turnaround because it's six days instead of the typical seven because the game is on Saturday. You got to expect him to be out there, but you know he's in some pain because he was hurt. Yeah, I didn't even think about that aspect of it. They have one less day to prepare. Um, so that's going to be tough on their bodies. And, and the travel on top of it. Yeah, and the travel on top of it. And they got... Uh, you know, came out of this game with an injury to Laramie Tunsil, and we'll see. Don't know quite yet, you know, his status, but the fact that he has a groin injury as well as Noah Brown's hip injury, those are major concerns. Like, Laramie Tunsil is the highest paid left tackle in the NFL. He's been one of the two best offensive players on this team. He doesn't allow sacks. He's steady. Um, so, that's going to be a major concern. We'll see where, where that happens, but um, yes, yeah, that, that short time the six days uh it's going to be one thing that i'll be watching for and how these players cover i know it's going to be a sped up process uh, this week for sure 
Yeah, let's let's get into that game then. Since, since we brought it up here, playing the Colts, both of them are nine and seven, and they're tied with the Jaguars at nine and seven um, as well. But the Jaguars have the playoff tiebreaker, so um, for the Texans to win the AFC South, they need the Jaguars to lose, and the Texans win. You know, they'll they'll take the division. Um, the Jaguars play against the Titans this weekend. Um, the Colts have played well. I mean, we talk a lot about D'Amico Ryans here because we have to. He's done an outstanding job with this team. Well, the Colts have a first-year coach, too, who's led them to a 9-7 and record um, coming off of a year they had last year where they won four games. It's been an impressive run for them, and he's doing it without his rookie quarterback who got hurt um, against the Texans earlier, earlier in the season uh, with – he, well, he got hurt with, against the Texans, and then he got hurt again, went after that, and he's been out for the rest of the year. But uh, talk about the, the Colts and what they bring to the table. Yeah, I think uh, when you think about Coach of the Year, I think uh, it'll be between three guys, and that's uh, Kevin Stefanski with the Browns, uh, D'Amico Ryans, and uh, Shane Steinson with the with the Colts because, you know, they were they were similar to the Texans last year. They were in a complete disarray. Um and um, both of them are turning. And then you add on the fact that they haven't had their starting quarterback, Anthony Richardson, all year and and put in Gardner Minshew, who is, I would say, arguably the best backup quarterback in the NFL. And, and a lot of people knew that kind of coming in. But he's done a phenomenal job to kind of steady the ship and to kind of help turn this, this thing around. Um, you know, he, he gassed the Texans in that first game at, I think, two or three touchdowns in the 31-20 win. Um, when he came in in relief, I think two touchdowns came in in relief of uh, Richardson who went out with that injury. So, but I, I think this will be a little bit different. I think one of the things that the Texans have struggled with this year is when they dealt with injuries or had to make adjustments in the game. Like if a, if a new quarterback came in or if they suffered a significant injury, they struggled. Like we'll take Minshew. Like they didn't know how to handle him when, when he came in after Richardson went hurt. Um, they didn't know how to handle. You know, Jonathan Grenard going down with the injury did, uh, against the Browns. They didn't know how to handle Nico Collins going down with the injury against the Jets. So I think it'll be a little bit different week 18 because they'll actually have some time to prepare as long as they don't have to deal with any significant injuries. And we've seen when the Texans have a week to prepare for a team uh, with no uh, sudden uh, changes, you know, they have successful. They responded very well against the Titans. Uh this week, they, uh, you know, they've responded very well after a lot of their losses. Um, so I think it'll be an interesting game. and I, It's, it's going to be a playoff atmosphere. Both teams are going to play their hearts out. And I, I really do think it's an even matchup that the, that the Texans are more than capable of winning. And if they win, they deserve to get in the playoffs. If they don't, they don't. So um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> the Colts have played well. They've, they've been scoring some points. Yeah, but well, like every team, they score points when they win. <laughs> when they lose, they don't. <laughs> but but at home, they've been they've been really good, um, especially of late. I mean, they've uh, they they lost their home opener to the Jaguars and they lost um, to the Rams. But since then, I believe they won like six in a row at home. Um, I mean, and, and or and it's they've been playing some good teams. Playoff teams contending, you know, Falcons or you know, 
want to be in the playoffs in a weak division in the NFC with Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Um, they beat the Titans like everybody else. But that, they're beatable, though. You know, they, they, they can be beaten. Their defense isn't isn't all that stout. You know, they give up some they give up some yards and some points. They're uh, 27th in the league in points allowed. So you can you can score on them, uh, and you can move the ball on them. And then numbers wise, their defense is just basically in the middle. But what is key, and you mentioned it earlier, they're 29th or 27th in yards allowed, uh, rushing yards. So you can run on them. And Texans have shown here in the last five or six weeks, you know, mostly, especially since Singletary stepped in as a starter, they've been able to run the ball. If they're able to run the ball. That'll help their chances significantly. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of they definitely won some games at home. But when I look at who they beat, and they beat, they blew out Pittsburgh. But that was with uh, Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, and of course they don't have a, a great that was, quarterback that was situation. A, that was a Pittsburgh issue. As much yeah, as that was, yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I think I thought Las Vegas was definitely playing well leading up into this game, but you know they don't have a star quarterback. Um, you look at Tampa Bay; it's been very up and down. Um, they beat New England ten to six, Carolina. You know they don't have a lot of uh, they don't have a lot of great wins this season, um, with the exception of Baltimore early on. But they're a much different team, and Baltimore is a much different team than they were in Week Three. So um, I definitely think this is a beatable team. Um, this is a beatable uh, a winnable game for the Texans, um, and um, you know I, I think that they should be. I expect them. If you ask me to to win this game on the road and get their first playoff berth since 2019, because uh, it, it just feels that type of way. As long as it, as long as health remains good, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a um, it's gonna be a really um, disappointing season. Even if the Texans lose, even though they've had a huge turnaround, they've, they're gonna have a winning year because that's guaranteed now that they have nine wins. Um, and the excitement is back. The energy is different around the team, and what they bring to the table is different. But it'll be a really disappointing season if they don't make the playoffs because they put themselves in position to do so. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, they've so exceeded expectations exponentially. But once you start doing well, and once you start getting that taste of success, the expectation is now for you to win. So it would definitely be disappointing if they don't make the playoffs because they were capable. They had games. Some of the games that they lost were not game, were games that they shouldn't have lost. Like they shouldn't have lost to the Panthers. I know they got blown out by the Jets, but they shouldn't have got blown out by the Jets. Um, those games, the Falcons game, that was a game that they should have won. So, yeah, when we look back on it, if they don't make the playoffs, it'll be extremely disappointing for them because it was one that, once we saw the season kick off and we saw how talented they were, uh, the expectation was were that they were good enough to make the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it, and that's the, the the thing is, I know what you mean when you say they should, shouldn't have won, shouldn't have lost this game, shouldn't have lost to this team, teams that we know they're better than. But those things, you know, kind of work themselves out. They also won some games that they may may not have won. And 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 what's so crazy about it? is we're sitting there talking about two or three games they could have won, then they would be a 11 or 12 win team now. How in the world could we have been sitting there thinking, talking about, oh, they should have won 12 games. Like, really? <laughs> the Texans? That, I mean, that's just, 
even the thought that they should already have 11 or 12 wins is is a bit much <laughs> but but that's how well they played and that's how that's how that's how good they looked when they looked good they look they look like a team that can win 11 or 12 games and that's why this game is i mean this game is vital anyway just get it to the playoffs whatever your record but to get to double digit wins would just be incredible for uh for this organization before we wrap this one up uh, i did want to touch on some cj stroud and and will anderson those guys talk like winners you you get to talk to them all the time in the locker room in some casual situations too but but in there when they're on the podium i mean it's just pretty amazing yeah they they're no longer rookies and they honestly they haven't been a rookie since week one and i think uh i think they both took on leadership roles and I, I really see how their teammates really take to them um, and, and view them as the leaders of this team. And I, I, I didn't, you didn't realize the magnitude really until those two players were out last week, like against the Browns. I thought CJ brought up a good point when he was when he was out and with a concussion and looking, he saw how their emotions. He thought that they needed to do a better job of keeping their emotions in check and. And he, as a leader, he feels that's part of his responsibility. And, yep, he, and wasn't able to, he wasn't there to do that. Yeah, exactly. And I just think with CJ and D'Amico mentioned this too, there's just this air of confidence um, that they have in him. They see his abilities. So because he's confident, they're confident too. And they're just a much better team with, with, with both CJ and Will Anderson. And, 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 and that's a deal. Right, and, and, and like you say, and it's more than their physical ability. But boy, the physical ability makes a difference. Because like Will Anderson talked about watching the game and taking the time that he's watching the game to study him, his game a little bit more. And you could tell. I mean, the two sacks he came. One was just a straight bull rush. The other one, he right after the very next play, he put on a quick move, faked the bull rush, went around the guy. I mean, it was just he's doing it on one and a half ankles. <laughs> it's just really impressive, but man, the, the way they talk about leadership and talk about winning, you know, they they don't they don't sound surprised that the team is where it is. They're like, this is what we've been playing for all year to get to this point. They they don't seem afraid of the moment. The moment won't be too big for them, at least right now. But you know, this is we we heard from them on Sunday. It's Saturday night. Lucas Oil Stadium will be rocking. It'll be the loudest building. They played in in a while. Probably it's going to be you know playoff atmosphere. It's a different kind of pressure, even even for guys like these guys who played in college playoffs and national championship level games, etc. This is going to be something different. Yeah, and and I think the thing is, I think I honestly do think D'Amico has kind of helped prepare them for this entire moment. Like even before the season started, D'Amico told Will and CJ that they don't have to be take on the entire pressure of this franchise. They don't have to put the team on the back. They have other people around them. Um, and I also think that, you know, the Colts are going to be a little bit favored in this game. Uh, and, you know, even though people are really impressed with what the Texans have done, I don't think that there's this automatic expe- expectation that they're supposed to blow past the Colts. So, you know, even though there'll be pressure in the moment, you know, I, I think they've kind of been preparing for this moment all along. That they should be prepared when it happens. I don't, I don't, I don't see them folding um, 
you know, you can hear it in their words. You know, they view pressure as a privilege. CJ said that. I think Will views it the same way. Um, you know, I, I I really do think that they they view each other as a collective effort, and, and they'll do it together um, as long as they you know play team ball and not play hero ball. So, which I don't expect them to do. So that's one of the things that, like you said, D'Amico's told them from from the day they were drafted. You you're not coming here to be a savior. You're just coming here to be a part of a team. We expect you to lead. We expect you to play well, but we don't. You know, you don't have to carry the team. And you don't feel that kind of pressure. You know, Stroud puts that pressure on himself, and Anderson does too, but that's what, you know, great players tend to do that. And we've seen enough of these guys, you know, they, you know, the Texans have played 16 games. Each of them missed a couple. They played 14. We've seen that they don't, uh, I won't say immune to pressure, but they handle the pressure extremely well. We can, we've seen them. They don't, they don't seem to panic. And, to be this late in the year and the Texans still lead the NFL with the fewest turnovers, that's because the rookie quarterback doesn't turn the ball over, you know. And yesterday, you mentioned Sloick changing the game plan or or building a game plan to, to get him in, into an early rhythm, to keep him from getting, taking some shots, et cetera. Well, CJ also adjusted his game. There were two or three times he got out, out uh, of the pocket on the run where early in the season he would have probably tried to pick up an extra three, four yards and, maybe take a hit he wasn't even hardly diving he was cutting outside and going ahead and getting out of bounds so to avoid contact even with the ground <laughs> on some plays and that's just a sign of maturity as a quarterback yeah he's getting smarter he uh said that was one of the things because you know cj kept comes from ohio state right <laughs> so you know they're used to dominating teams and and i remember him saying this and, you know, he just has this this urge to hit the deep shot because he's always used to having the, the best quarterbacks, I mean, the best wide receivers in the country, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. So, you know, hitting the deep shot was was a normal thing, and, and he's having to learn in the NFL that the deep shot's not always going to be there, so he's going to have to be patient sometimes, uh, take the underneath route or take the shorter uh, pass. And, and What amazing and, statistic I heard the other day uh, going into – the game against the um, Titans, Stroud led the NFL in passer rating for passes that go at least 20 yards. Yeah. And in those situations, he has seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, and I don't remember the number, something like 140-something passer rating, just way better than anybody else because the deep shots he's taken have been smart shots. He hadn't even done the, oh, let's just throw it up there and it'll be like a punt kind of interception. He 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 protects the ball much more than that. They, have, they haven't had that situation come up, but but he he just puts the ball where he wants to put it so often, and it's usually away from the def- defenders. Yeah, I, yeah, I wrote this, uh, you know, yes, last night or today, whichever, uh, and uh, or Monday, and he was at he led the before his injury, he was leading the league in, in explosive plays or twenty yard pass plays or more. Now he's with missing two games, he's still four tied for fourth. Um, but he he was averaging four point six, uh, four point six passes of twenty yards or more per game, and uh, you know those open up. So they've been taking some shots. Yeah, yeah, they've been taking some shots, and 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 some of those have been off script by CJ. You know, when when things have broken down, he's bought time and, and found the open receiver. So you know that's his game. That's what he likes to do. Um, like you mentioned, he's accurate, extremely accurate with the football, and he's had a lot of success uh, with those plays. All right, um, I'm not. I know you'll pick it 
for the paper and, and online by uh, the weekend. Do you, you want to go with prediction now or do you want to wait till you see how the teams are talking and anything that happens in practice this week? Yeah, I think I, I think I'll go with my prediction. I think I think it's going to be something like thirty-one to twenty-eight. I think the Texans, as long as they are healthy this week in all the right places, uh, as long as they remain healthy, I think they should be able to get the win. I think the Colts have been a little bit more inconsistent the last few weeks. I think the Texans have get, are getting their best players back. I think it's possible Bernard plays in this week eighteen game. I, I have trouble seeing him sitting out. Um, and then if you have Grenard and Will Anderson back, even in a limited capacity, uh, along with Derek Barnett playing better, I think you uh, it's a recipe for success. So I think it's 31-28 Texans. Yep. Um, I, I'll put it like this. If the Texans play anywhere near their capability, they should be able to win this game. I don't, I think they're they're a better team. On the road, it's different. Uh, it, the Vegas line has it uh, Indianapolis only favored by one. So that tells you they believe the Texans are the better team because, you know, a home field advantage can be anywhere from three to five points depending on the place. And, and the Colts are definitely, uh, that place is going to be, it's going to be all blue. It won't be Texans blue. It'll, there'll be a pocket of Texans fans there, I assure you. But no, Indianapolis fans will be in the house and that place will be uh, a special atmosphere on Sunday night. We'll, you and I will be there. It'll, it's going to be fun. These these kind of games are, are really exciting and really uh you get to test players, and I, I like to to judge players when they're at the at their best, you know, or in the situation where their best is required, and that's when you really get to know how good players are. And the Texans have been good in the fourth quarter. They've been good offensively when they needed to score. They they've had some moments early in the season when they needed to to shut a team down and stop a drive and couldn't do it. But then they've had other games where the defense has locked locked teams down and, and won games. This is a team. This is a team that can win uh, this week in Indianapolis. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, we'll, we'll be writing about it and covering it in HoustonChronicle.com. Check out all of Jonathan's coverage during the week. A lot. We got a lot of stuff leading up to this Indianapolis game, and, um, and of course we'll be covering the game on Saturday night. We'll be back here with the fifth down next week to talk about it and potentially talk about the Texans heading into the playoffs the week after that. Thanks to Pirate Audio for producing. I'm Jerome Salvin from The Chronicle, Jonathan Alexander, and we will see you next week. <laughs>